Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of Magic the Final Frontier. This is episode number 50, part 2, and on this podcast we talk all about the Frontier format to keep our listeners up to date with what is new, interesting, and powerful in the world of Frontier. So I'm Ryan Schwenk, I'm the Japan hobbyist out of uh, Tokyo, Japan. And I'm Kevin Finkel, host of the Final Frontier, along with Ryan here. So last time we were talking about kind of the first half of the history of Frontier. We got really into the very beginnings. We had some of the big things coming out of Japan, the big things, the uh, the Tokyo boom. We were talking about the meta. Let's do a little bit of a recap for our listeners, anyone who uh, maybe took some time between last week's episode and this week's. And just kind of do a quick once-over of what we talked about. Yeah, we, we, we kind of let it get away from ourselves last time. We talked for a very uh, long time on a lot of different topics. <laughs> well, it's got a uh, pretty deep history, Frontier does. So yeah, I think we ended around September 2017. That was like the one-year anniversary. The, uh, you know, Magic, sorry, the final, so the Frontier format started in 2016. Uh, in September, I believe we mm-hmm. we ended up uh, finding out, and um, yeah, we, another other important milestones were the uh, Untapped League starting. I think back in was it February, maybe the Cockatrice. That sounds about right. That's, sorry, that's sorry. what we said last Cockatrice time. League. <laughs> we haven't gotten a chance yeah. to listen to our last episode to review what we had prepared for that one yeah, yet, the so. cockatrice league started in february and the untap league started in in june a little bit later yeah, so yeah, so untap's a really big part of our podcast a lot of us play on uh on their league so um got a frontier the first one happened i believe in january of 2017 had like 220 mm-hmm. something people um i don't know what else what other big events are good to review so there's the North America Championships yeah. we talked about. We talked about the um, the Frontier podcast that was formed in to- uh, Toronto. Yep, face-to-face And how that games. kind of rose and fell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we talked about face-to-face games. Um, we talked about the start of our own podcast, the launching of our website, mm-hmm. sort of what we did and how we jumped into it ourselves. Yeah. Um, and I think that was another big step. And I think that that kind of led to where we're moving towards now, which I think this episode is we're going to talk about the latest, you know, year or so mm-hmm. talk about kind of the the renaissance of frontier about how some people came back mm-hmm. how people brought interest on online you know about the online groups that are really building hubbub yeah. and some of that yeah uh, and also i mean maybe so, i was gonna say maybe we should i'd like to start with uh the metagame you know today kind of talk about uh i think we ended at september which was uh Ixalan. so i'd like to start from rivals yes, of Ixalan. Yes, we ended around there so there were definitely some more meta decks that I wanted to talk about. You know, they kind of rose and fell. Uh, I think that Delirium decks are a big part of that. They sort of rose and fell. A little harder to say why. They may have just been a, a kind of flavor of the month thing. But I think for a while there, Delirium mm-hmm. was a really big thing. Um, Marvel about that same time. You know, a lot of Emrakul decks coming around. There weren't as many people prepared for it. Or not a lot of good ways to answer it. I think the people have adapted to those a little bit, but uh, that was definitely for a little while a big thing in the meta. When we first started, yeah. I mean, should we do like a quick review? Like, what what was Kaladesh about? What would you say? What, what were the main decks? Oh, Kaladesh. I mean, Kaladesh was about Sahili. It was about vehicles. It was about Abs and aggro. aggro. Yeah. Um, Rally was still fine then. You know, that was kind of the the birth. We were talking about Frontier. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was. So did we did we talk a little bit about the Sahili summer? I think so. That was uh, during either revolts. I want to say. Uh, yeah, and a little later than that, really. I, I think all the way up to almost maybe uh, Ixalan is where it really ended. Yeah, because, you know, 
uh, the Felidar Sovereign, oh, sorry, Felidar Guardian got printed in, in, Guardian. in Aether Revolt, and then it became a huge yeah, deck. Yeah, so that's when it started, and then where it really got oppressive was what I was saying. <clears throat> so there was that time in Toronto that a lot of people were thinking that Sahili is the most oppressive deck. It's kind of the biggest deck, and people who couldn't face against it were, I mean, they they're playing red aggro or another aggro mm-hmm. because that was the only way to face it so so we talked about that i think that was a big point of frontier and that actually dropped some people out of it yeah. I think that's what drove a few toronto people away since then we've really come back from that and we there's either works as well right yeah we talked about how how ixalan brought a lot of life back into the format it brought control back into the format in the form of search for Azkanta and Vasco's contempt mm-hmm. and that that really you know balanced the format so many more decks became viable kind of because of that mm-hmm. Yeah, and other decks decks struggle. We definitely talked about how scales. We talked about some other things had trouble because there were these decks in the format that weren't there before. Okay, well, let's start from uh, Rivals. Rivals came out in January two thousand eighteen. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, what 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 changes did you see uh, happen when Rivals came out? What what did it add to the Ooh. format? You know, I don't think that was a big one for affecting the format. Maybe I'm going to eat my words here if I can't think of uh, anything off the top of my head. But well, what do you have from Rival of Ixalan that you thought was a real change? Well, I don't know if I would say that it's a big change up, but I would like to talk about how people tried a lot of new decks when it came out and they ended up not being good. Like Blue Green Merfolk, everyone thought it was going to mm-hmm. be playable with Collected Company and it just fell flat on its face. It's just not a good. I mean, it's, it's, it's an okay deck. It's not... Yeah, you know, I saw it with Collected Company, I saw it with Smuggler's Copter, I saw it with Hardened Scales, kind of all the same, like, we saw a lot of different versions of Elves, I was seeing a ton of different versions of Mirfolk, and then it just disappeared. Yeah. It just completely... I was like, oh, other people are testing that, they'll let me know how good it is. Well, they must have decided it was bad, because it just, poof, it was gone. So, yeah, I mean, that that, that was uh, one of the disappointments, I think, of the Rivals block, because, you know, we get all these new Mirfolk, but we couldn't really use them. I think Rekindling Phoenix saw a little bit of play. Yeah, not really, I don't think, at Frontier. Uh, I've seen very, very little of it. If red aggro decks are really looking for a 4-drop, I feel like they mostly go for Chandra or maybe Hazaret. Okay. And one more thing that I noticed, at least in Hallelujah in Tokyo, uh, people were, were starting to try out Zatalpa in that Soul Flayer deck. <laughs> Yep, uh, that's definitely. Have you talked to that guy? I, I know that uh, there's like a team of them now. Topic, but... There's like three or four oh, people that are playing it. Yeah, at the last God of Frontier tournament, I think four or five people were on it. I don't know if you've talked to them, but but you got to tell them about Night of um, what is it? Night of not Malice there's or Glory. There's Night of Grace and Night of Malice. Oh, yeah. Yes, Night of Malice and Night of Grace. Yeah. I don't know if a lot of people realize this, but those do count as a hexproof ability in the rules. So exiling that with Soul Flayer gives the Soul Flayer hexproof and first strike, which is really good. Mm-hmm. You know, a turn two hexproof 4-4 four, four, four first strike is often good enough to win the game. So yeah, like you said, there, there okay. wasn't really a lot that came from... <laughs> Rivals Vixen line, and because of that, I want to say this is when control really started taking over because it was like a solved format. People knew what to expect; nothing changed. Uh, I wouldn't go as far as solved, but I think that it's where it really you know took its ground. People were feeling comfortable coming out of the first Ixalan, and yes, control became a player in the format. Uh, online, we saw a huge amount of blue black. We saw a big amount of blue black mm-hmm. in Japan. You know, around the world, we were seeing this control sort of pick up people realize they really want to play those dig through time those uh gear holes. Mm-hmm. and thank you by the way for getting us back on topic normally i'm the one who has to uh kind of drag us 
kicking and screaming back onto something that has to do with what we're talking about. So yeah, blue black control, and I think three color, four color control is also kind of popular in Japan at this time. Yeah, I think that it never really left Japan. I, I think that online people said, "Oh, you know what? I don't really want to play the red. I don't want to play the white. It it's not worth all of those extra splashes for a little bit of bonus." But I think in Japan, people, you know, it was a good standard deck. People really just wanted to keep playing the deck, and that it stuck around there a little bit more because of that. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's a lot easier to change decks online when you're, uh, you know, you're not buying into a set of cards. You don't have to spend the time to sleeve it up and put it all together. Mm-hmm. And actually, now that, now that I look at where we are with Rivals of Ixalan, maybe we should talk a little bit about what was happening in the sorry in the uh, Frontier World, you know, outside of the the meta game. So like we mm-hmm. we we ended at September twenty seventh, so we you know we had like uh, October, November, December, um, you know, in that January as well. Uh, for example, there was another God of Frontier, I think, in October. Um, had like mm-hmm. seventy two people. It was won by four color control. Um, I think we had an untapped league season three, maybe. In... Ooh, what, now what was the winner of season three? That's a good question. I don't know if you, you've done the more research than I have. I think I, it was uh, Mono Black Eldrazi. I, I oh, think okay. That was Interesting. Yeah. That's kind of one of those, um, you know, it's always been around mm-hmm. back of the format decks. And I think that was like, and, and that, I think that's worth a shout out is, uh, you know, we, we've had some of these decks that people have their core decks, you know, I think of Shrapnel Red mm-hmm. being a, you know, there's a, there's this player Bovine Online, and he's always on Shrapnel Red. There's Black Eldrazi decks, and you just have kind of always the one player who wants to play yeah, it. Yeah, and if anybody's interested, we did interview C-Squared, I believe, Clayton, uh, about his Black Eldrazi deck and talked to him about that in one of our past episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, we did. That was actually our first record number of players. I think we had 44 people for Season 3. That was, like, the highest ever. We were pretty excited. Yeah, so that's where it was definitely growing online and i think that's like we we're saying it's notable and we're really starting to see a comeback of some of these major decks mm-hmm. uh, i think at this time a lot of the uh, company decks were really mm-hmm. big you saw a lot of band company you saw some other kind of company decks going around you saw band non-humans mm-hmm. with humans you saw some spirits you saw elves usually going for the collect company version yep. so uh i felt like that was a popular card probably as a response to control uh collective company's always been pretty good answering a sweeper so I would say this time, like you said, this is when Digital Frontier really started to take off. This is when people started to move from not being able to play in paper and kind of complaining about it and be like, yo, I'm just going to play online. Mm-hmm. And this is where the Facebook group really got big. It's where our website launched and people were able to find a lot of news articles, a lot of uh, decks online. We had some pros in Japan talking about the format. Mm-hmm. It was good. All right. All right, what about uh, the next couple sets? So M19, Dominaria, anything big, notable there? Well, let's start with Dominaria. Um, I mean, do you want to go first or should I go first? I mean, Dominaria was April 2018. M19 was July. So let's let's do Dominaria first. So, you know, getting into the spring of this year, um, Steel Leaf Champion was huge, I think, as far as giving green black elves a huge boost in power that they kind of needed they had the mm-hmm. combo before they didn't really have a way this is this is before the clan caller came out which is which we'll talk about later but you know still a champion yeah, that was m19 so th- that really pushed elves into being a real deck and you yeah know, we, we talked about how elves was kind of 
it was always something interesting because it was available in Frontier in a new way. So along with that, we got Lawnmower Elves. Mm-hmm. So we got the double dork available between Lawnmower and Mystic. Mm-hmm. Made Dwinian, Dwin, Dwinin, yeah. I don't know her name, but it made her a little bit better because, you know, she's a lord and you need a lord. Yeah. yeah. You, you can you always use a lord. And, then... and, you know, there was some fun stuff in Dominaria. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had Karn there. We had uh, Teferi in that set. Mm-hmm. So some powerful cards in that Did way. Did she, Karn, show up in any decks? Hey, I see Karn occasionally. I think that he's uh, he's still a value engine. He's probably an underplayed card in Frontier. I think some people are playing him in like the sideboard of like the Insul decks. Yes, I actually really do like him in that kind of deck specifically, just because the answers that control decks have to things like Insul Artifact. You know, if you want a Vraska's Contempt, their Insuled creature, you've only got maybe two, three of those in your whole deck. That means you don't have it available for their con, mm. so it taxes the same kind of resources as another deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about Chain Whirler? Do you think Chain Whirler showed up a lot in uh, Mono Red? Yes, so I was I was definitely going to talk about how this is really where Red started to come back. Mm-hmm. We saw Atarka Red, you know, come and gun going, and I think that it stabilized as a clear tier one deck around this time. So with a lot of things that were hating it out, kind of taken out by those control decks, the Red aggressive decks, the Red burn strategies that have ways to go above the mid-range strategies to have reach and are still fast enough to beat out all the combo decks those are the ones that really became the tier one for aggro Mm. Uh, i think chain ruler was a small part of that i don't think that it hated out anywhere near as many decks in frontier as in standard um it's a little hard to cast in the atarka red deck which is two color but mono red became really popular forest yeah mono red became a thing and yeah so i think chain the whirler was a decent addition Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. What else? So you said Teferi already, right? Mm-hmm. How about Sylvan Awakening? So around this time, yes, I was going to say Sylvan Awakening as well as some of the stuff for Dredge started to become decks. So we got to see a couple of other ways that the format can be attacked by breaking into this format with Dredge and with Sylvan Awakening. So we talked about Rally. We talked about Rally, why Rally didn't survive. Maybe this is the new coming of it with Dredge currently being a big deck in Japan. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're kind of getting ahead in that this is right up in current that we're seeing dredge really becoming a popular um but i think that that's a very cool deck you know it it doesn't really play fair magic it just dumps mm. as many things in the graveyard as it can and that creates a nice board state so wh- um additionally we've talked about how the sylvan awakening jeskai ascendancy combo deck is another interesting pretty unique combo deck in the format that attacks the format in a different way it brings in you know you need to have some kind of enchantment hate or you need to have some kind of way to answer this kind of specific set of cards. Do you want to explain how that works, the Sylvan Awakening with uh, Jeskai Ascendancy? Sure, so pretty much your whole deck is cantrips, and then it's Sylvan Ascendancy and Jeskai... uh, Sylvan Awakening and Jeskai Ascendancy. So you have the Jeskai Ascendancy in play, you cast Sylvan Awakening, which is three mana, and you have hopefully one more mana up, so you can do this turn three, turn four. And then until end of... Until your next turn, all lands you control are 2-2 elemental creatures with reach, indestructible, and haste. The important parts there being indestructible and the fact that they're creatures. So now, with your ascendancy, anytime you cast a spell, which your whole deck is spells, Mm -hmm. that means it'll untap all of your lands, and you can just add a whole ton of mana anytime you cast a spell. So you just draw cards, untap your lands, draw cards, untap your lands, play something like Treasure Cruise. Suddenly your lands are 10-10s, they've got Trample. And you just win the game off of that. It's very easy to go off once you've been able to cast the Sylvan Awakening. And I'm super surprised it never really 
got popular in Japan. No one's played it yet. I, I, I need to play it. <laughs> I, I keep telling you, you've, you've got to play it. I'm happy to sit down and walk through yeah. the deck with you to um, to play test it a little bit so you're comfortable with it. You know, it's a cheap deck to yeah. pick up for the most part. I have the lands already. You've got some, uh, some fetches. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an even cheaper version. You can run it with uh, with a tuned Aether and Aether Hub. Mm-hmm. You know, save a little bit of money there. Um, I want to say one more thing about Dominaria before we, we leave this meta. I think this is also okay. when uh, I started to see a lot of of uh, wizard decks, like they had blue red wizards and the the mono red wizards, which led to the mono red wizards later playing uh, like wizards lightning. And uh, yes, I want to say what else? What other uh, what other cards? We got the Adelies, I think, in the blue, the blue red that gave all your all your other wizards uh, prowess, basically, or extra prowess. Oh, oh, oh. yes. Uh... Adelie was the dinosaur, but I know which one you're talking about. As Adelaide uh, yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, Adelaide's the uh, the Cinder Wind. And uh, I think some other fun decks. I mean, these weren't great decks, but other fun decks I saw in Hallelujah at this time were Assault Formation decks. Because uh, <laughs> yep, those were definitely happening. Those were kind of a fun deck. I don't know if we need to. Uh, I don't know if we need to um, mention that in the history of Frontier yeah. when it's kind of a. Oh man, those guys are really doing that. Yeah. But it's part of a larger yeah, maybe meta that's a fun thing. Deck. But yeah, but I guess maybe people. Want I to guess hear about that. you know, yeah. just kind of talking about brews really started to come. More people started brewing. I think at this time, there's a lot more fun decks out there. Come Dominaria. Um, so going back to the uh, how do I say the frontier history, the regular front hit frontier history. I think in January, uh, Hallelujah had another uh, win a switch event so it wasn't really mm. a god of frontier and they got like 60 people for that which is a pretty good turnout that the okay. winner was mono red and then i believe in april they had the sixth the the next god of frontier i think it was the fourth or the fifth one and they had about 70 people for that and the winner of that one was Aetherworks marvel interesting yep yeah, so those are both decks that i think we've continued to see having success um they're both i would say format staples mm-hmm. And yeah, continuing to have, you know, very reasonable numbers, getting consistent numbers, and always getting new people in the door is something that you've said that mm-hmm. it's nice to always see new people coming in and trying the format. If they're there for something else and you're able to rope them in, try some Frontier, great way to sell some people on Frontier. Yeah, coming from Tokyo, uh, you know, playing in Tokyo, I, I know a lot of the regular players, and like during this time, during this last summer, these numbers could have been higher. There was mm-hmm. a lot of people that were playing Legacy or Standard or Modern that weren't playing at that time. But we had a lot of new faces, a lot of people trying out, a lot of people saying, hey, it's my first time playing Frontier. And, you know, that that really got me excited to see all these new faces, to see these people come back. Okay, so Magic's got 25 years of history. Frontier's got two years of history. But what we should always do is look forward. Do you think we've kind of covered the last sort of two years of history you know we, we've talked about guilds of ravnica pretty re- recently so i don't want to well how about m19 you wanted to talk a little bit about dredge right yeah i, I think we talked about m19 along with uh dominaria there we talked about dredge we talked about how elves got another piece we talked Fine about how control got some more pieces yeah yeah so citrus supplier basically biggest impact from or biggest impact card from m19 i think yeah, so yeah, I think in retrospect, it probably is the most impactful card from M19 specifically. So this, uh, yeah, it brings us back for full circle to where we are now. Uh, I think at this point in the Frontier history, I think we could say a lot, of, a lot more people are interested in Frontier than they were before. Uh, I think a lot more people are playing Frontier digitally than they were before. 
I mean, uh, what else would, would you would you say? So the one thing I wanted to talk about next is kind of what the future of Frontier is. You know, we have this idea of this is where we've come from. These are the decks that have been going along. Maybe not talk as much of the future of the meta, but just talk where do you see the format going? What do you see happening in the future? And what would really drive it to go good things to happen faster, if you know what yeah. I mean? Well, if I was going to do this, I'd like to maybe kind of talk about what would happen like in the near future like maybe in the next year or so. And then after that, maybe we can talk about, you know, two years down the road and then three years down the road. Because it's a new format, I think there's still, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of things that could happen very quickly in a short amount of time. So let, let's let's focus on one year in the future. From from here until the next anniversary, next, next September, what, what do you kind of think will happen in the frontier? Let's put it this way. How about until the next rotation? Because, you know, we, we talked a little bit about how rotations were so big in Frontier. Yeah. Every time standard players lost a bunch of cards they can't play with, we saw a resurgence in Frontier. Mm-hmm. So that would be next September. Because people... Yeah, so that would be next September. People don't want to lose their cards. People don't want to stop being able to play fun things. And Frontier is going to continue to be that home. Every year that the modern standard gap grows bigger, more people are going to be looking for something in between there. So we're going to have maybe, what, 12 sets by next rotation? Or, sorry, not 12 sets, sorry. So Oh, let's see. I think more so, than cause that, because yeah. we're already at... I forgot Kansa Tarkir. Kansa Tarkir, mm-hmm. it's three. And then Battle for Zendikrets, that's five. And then uh, Shadows of Innistrad, and two seven. two in there. And Shadows 15 is Origins, nine. that's nine. Kaladesh is 11. Uh, 18, Ixalan 19, 20, 13. maybe 21, oh, 22? I skipped 15... 16, 17, 18, 19, yeah, 21, 22, something along those lines. Yeah, so we'll have 22 sets by next rotation. Maybe more. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be huge. How does that compare to a modern when it started? I want to say modern to I want to say modern was like 30 sets. Yeah, even when it just started, it, it, was, it was a little bit larger than Frontier has as a pool. Yeah. And the power level was nowhere near as consistent as Frontier has been. Yeah, I mean, that's the new design process. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think they've done a great job of keeping it that way. And really only Frontier players, I think, see that. they don't. If you're not playing a format where you've got everything from M15 onwards, you're not seeing the fact that they've been doing a great job of keeping cards consistent. Mm-hmm. You know, Frontier has been able to self-police and not need any bans in it. And that's pretty awesome. So we're talking about this in the next year. What else? What other kinds mm-hmm. of things do you kind of see happening in, in the next year or so? So what I've been hoping for for a while and what I think would be a big thing for Frontier is some kind of celebrity is going to get involved. You know, we keep trying to bug like the professor. You know, he's kind of sympathetic. Someone like uh, Seth from MTG Goldfish mm-hmm. would be a great person. Someone that's kind of a, a fun person more so than a serious spike person probably. We'll get interested in the, the format. They'll talk about it on their show, on their YouTube, on their Twitter, whatever it takes. And I think that's really going to build some hype for the, the format. And as more people get interested, you know, they'll check Facebook. They'll find groups there. They'll check Discord, mm-hmm. find a great option there. Or they'll end up at our website listening to our podcast. And, hey, you right there, thank you for joining Frontier. Yeah, Tolarian College, the professor actually just talked about uh, a postmodern format. And he name-dropped Frontier a few times. I think that was like a few weeks ago. So mm-hmm. I think that's getting a lot of people to kind of consider the possibility of a Frontier-like format in the near future. 
Yeah, well, I think what would help even more is if someone is actually building decks. Um, so kind of what I've what I've said before is, did you follow the um, what was it, Community Super League when it happened for Frontier? Uh, so it, it, Frontier hadn't existed at that mm. time, but they kind of did a thing where they had a bunch of popular streamers, popular Magic personalities, and they did every week they did a different format. Mm-hmm. Most of them were fun things, like they would, oh, they'd brew around a card art, or they would brew around. They did some weird things like no ban list modern. Mm-hmm. They did. Uh, I may they may have done a popper week. I'm trying to remember all of them. But if we had something like Frontier in that, that would bring a huge amount of publicity to it because people would actually think about building the decks rather than just talking about as a format. Talking about oh, is it going to make money? Is it going to be lasting? Mm-hmm. You know, you, you want to pe- get people into the decks, and that's what gets people interested. You want people in to invest in the decks. Mm-hmm. You know, keep those cards around. Don't don't sell them or don't pack them away. But you know, keep using them. Sure. Yeah. Definitely. So yeah, I, I I'm not a big YouTube person. I don't really watch a lot of a lot of the streamers or stuff like that. But I definitely think think that it's something that could happen in the next year or so. I think we get a couple people on board to kind of just explore the format with us. I think that'd be a mm-hmm. really fun. That'd be awesome. So yeah, if anyone ever. <laughs> Ever knows a uh, even a small YouTube celebrity or Twitch celebrity? Send them their way. We'll be happy to interview them. Tell them a little bit about Frontier. So in the next year or so, I kind of see Frontier growing more organically. Uh, I think we've talked about it on the show before, but there's been a lot of people contacting me either on Facebook or on Twitter and just kind of talking about, hey, my store's doing, uh, you know, like a, a Frontier Week or. You know, we're going to, my friends and I play all the time or, you know, those those sort of things. So I think there'll be more and more of those types of people playing in the near future. And I think we'll have, you know, how I say, a, a bigger network of of stores that are holding uh, Frontier events outside of Japan as well. I just actually did an interview for um, Cockatrice League. Uh, the online cockatrice league for s- someone that lives in the UK. It's like a really big fan, and you know, I talked about how he can help, you know, to comp- to promote it over there. So it's not only North America and Japan, but there's fans in Europe as well. And that's exciting. And we, like we've said, we we'd love to see it take off around the world. So you were talking a little bit bigger. I don't, I can't think two years in the future. I can't think three years in the future. What do you think is going to happen there? What what's what's going to be new? What's going to be different? Well, of course, like you said, we're we're going to have like 25, 26, you know, 27 sets, you know, by the time rotation comes around, you know, in 2 years, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm pr- I'm pretty sure if if there's like a 50% chance that Frontier happens by by next year, I'm going to say it's going to be a 70 to 80% chance that there's going to be a Frontier type format in 2 years. So okay. I'm 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 calling you right now in in less than two years or in sorry by by the fourth anniversary of frontier uh I'm gonna mm-hmm. say that it's gonna be recognized as a format it might not be as a whole you know there might be some bad things or it might start a little bit later, but that postmodern format is coming you you can't stop it and it's coming wizards official yeah like wizards is gonna officially sanction it and you know people are gonna play it and and i think we i don't know where it's gonna start from but it, i don't think it's gonna start from kalash i think it's gonna start from before okay so hopefully from origins or cons or you know m15 whatever 
but mm-hmm. it's going to happen. You can't stop it. So that's where I see the format in two years. All right. That's really all I've got for the future. Uh, is there anything more you want to talk about this episode? It's uh, been kind of a short one for us. No, I think, I I think that covers a lot. Two-parter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we got we went like, what, 50 minutes or something last time? So it was either going to be a 50-minute and a 30-minute episode or it was going to be an like a hundred and a half and one. Yeah. So I'm, I'm yeah, glad we didn't do that so. in one sitting because that was uh, starting to be a marathon for me. And I just got over a cold actually. Yeah. Well, glad you're feeling better now. Yep. For the most part. <laughs> All right. So anything else frontier last minute you want to talk about any interesting cards you're brewing with? Do you want to talk a little bit more about dredge? I hate dredge. You hate dredge? Oh, yeah. I think, I think fetches really need to be banned now because it's like, okay, oh, no. I can deal with, I can deal with dredge. But, like, um, when they're playing you... Grimmag Angler and stuff, on top of that, it's like, okay, so all my removal does nothing now that does three damage. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess so. Are you on team... Oh, what is the card that you are? Creeping Chill. Are you on team Creeping Chill, or do you think, no, Creeping Chill's not good enough for Dredge? I mean, it depends on the build. There's, like, two or three different builds at Hallelujah. There's, like, the blue-black build, I think, that was playing it. And then you have like the three color, and then there's like a four color one as well. I guess the difference is, you know, one's running like the cathartic reunion, and maybe mm-hmm. some other, you know, red red spells to put stuff in the graveyard, and then the other one's just using like the, you know, stitcher supplier and you know other cards like that. Yeah, yeah. I think I like the green black based, and then I don't mind kind of the two or three other color. Like they can splash a little bit, like you're saying with fetches. Mm-hmm. I mean, Japan players are crazy with like, all right, I'm going to make this a five-color deck. I don't care. Well, that's the one that top aided. It has one Steam Vents in the list, and they're mm-hmm. playing uh, Claim to Fame. Which is the reanimator? It, it's the black-red reanimation spell. So you don't really need to cast the red backside of it because you want just that front side. But the fact that they've got one Steam Vent in the list just to be able to cast that backside is pretty funny to me. Yeah. So as, as for me, like I was kind of let down by Angels this season because hmm. Orzhov really just needs better cards. The land was bad, and everybody else has like more consistent. I mean that that's what's happening right now is that decks are so consistent now because of the mana bases with the shocks and everything that you know you can't play a deck that's not that doesn't have like you know so many of those sources. So I'm switching over. I'm going back to my Scapeshift deck. That's that's my pet project. Probably what I'll be looking to play for uh, Season I okay. 8. We might be getting off topic. Okay, yeah. But that brings us really to the end of our episode. So guys, be sure to reach out to us. We're at MTG Frontier. MTGFrontier.net is our website, and you can always find our link to our Discord, to our Reddit there. All right, and uh, you can find me on Twitter at Yoshwenki, and my website is www.japanhobbyist.com. This has been Ken Finkel with a full history of the Frontier format. Thank you all for listening. We look forward to being your go-to source for Frontier information online. Your final Frontier, signing off. Mm-hmm.